All right. Hey, it's Sunday morning, 8th of October, 2023. I want to start off reading something out of the book of Luke. The Beatitudes, Luke chapter 6. Turning his gaze upon him, he said, Blessed are those who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are those who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you and ostracize you and insult you and scorn you as evil for the sake of the Son of Man. Be glad in that day and leap for joy. For behold, thy reward is great in heaven. For in the same way their fathers used to treat the prophets. It goes down a few verses. Woe to those who are rich for your receiving your comfort in full. Woe to those who are well fed now for you shall be hungry. Woe to those who laugh now for you shall mourn. Woe to you when all men speak well of you. For the fathers used to treat the prophets in the same way. That's what I want to get. These are the Beatitudes. People talk about Jesus Christ and Jesus and Jesus this and Jesus that. And what would Jesus do and what would Jesus say? And the, you know, the Beatitudes is, epitomizes for many who Jesus Christ is. And I wanted to read the Beatitudes for that. Blessed are those. Blessed are you when men hate you and ostracize you and insult you and scorn your name as evil for the sake of the Son of Man. Not because you're a murderer or something like that. Woe to you when all men speak well of you. This is Luke chapter, chapter 6, verses 22, 23, and then down to 26. Woe to you when all men speak well of you. For the fathers used to treat the false prophets in the same way. Woe to those who... Hey, you know what? That's a great preacher. That's a great pastor. He's a great Christian. He's a wonderful Christian. He's not racist, sexist, homophobic, transphobic, queerphobic, intolerant, divisive, or anti-Semitic like some people. What does it say here? What does it say? Woe to you when all men speak well of you. Woe to you. For their fathers used to treat the false prophets in the same way. And, you know, it used to be a long time ago, I used to read the, the, you know, the Beatitudes, and I was like, I, I don't even understand what this dude's talking about. It's like, uh, it, uh, well, now I understand. Now I understand. Now you start reading a little closer about who Jesus Christ was and what he said and who hated his guts and why they murdered him and why they murdered the prophets, why they tried to murder Jeremiah, my favorite prophet. People say, oh, I like Isaiah. Isaiah's good too, but for some reason. <laughs> Jeremiah's just a little messier. He's a little messier guy. I, I don't know what it is about him, but he just Isaiah had it going on. He he you know, he I think uh, you know, if you can compare the two, I'd say Jeremiah's pretty blue collar. Isaiah is a little higher class. 
Maybe I just identify with the blue-collar guy a little bit more. But they wanted to murder him. God, they wanted to murder Jeremiah. They murdered Jesus Christ. They wanted to they murder, they end up killing Paul, but they wanted to murder him so many times. They murdered Stephen, they martyred Peter, and on and on and on and on and on. And Jesus said, look, you're blessed if people say all kinds of evil things about you and they ostracize you. But if people are speaking good about you, and they're saying, oh, what a great guy he is, he's just a wonderful guy. I used to fall, believe me, I used to fall in that category. Oh, Fritz is a nice guy. He's absolutely harmless. <laughs> he says, be careful, man. That's how they used to treat the false prophets. So you got a bunch of these preachers out there Am I going after the preachers? Yeah, I'm going after the preachers. I'm going to go after them. I know you have a hard job. I got it. I was I was I was associate pastor of three different churches. I got fired three different times. Not because I stole the money or slept with the church secretary. Just I didn't, I never fit. This wasn't a good fit. But I know how hard you work. I know how hard it is. What a thankless job you have. It's a thankless job. It's hard. It's harder than people can imagine. People have no idea the pain and suffering that the average pastor goes through. And he looks all nice and smiley on a Sunday morning. And they don't see the hell he goes through the other six days of the week. I got it. It's hard. It's hard. It's a thankless job. Ain't nobody getting rich off it. If you're getting rich off it, well, I'm not talking to you. you got to... You wouldn't hear what I had to say anyway. I'm talking to the average pastor out there that's suffering and is doing the best he can do with what he's got. He's got a church of 50 people or 100 people working part-time on the side, maybe full-time on the side, pastoring part. It's hard. It's hard. And it's going to get harder. Be careful when men say good things about you, especially the enemies of Jesus Christ. Especially those who have allied themselves with the enemies of Jesus Christ. Because that's how they spoke about the false prophets 3,000 years ago, 2,500 years ago. When the enemies of Jesus Christ and our allies speak well of you, be careful. Because that's how they spoke about the false prophets. Jesus talked about false prophets. He had no problem calling out the false prophets in the Beatitudes. So yeah, they're false prophets. And you read them in Jeremiah. Go read the book of Jeremiah. You know, you, Jeremiah, you're just, you know, you don't hear from God. You're not from God. You're just full of evil and hate and you're against the people of God. And they try to kill him. And Jesus said, hey, listen, if they're if they're ostracizing you, if they're calling you evil names, if they're saying bad things about you, he said, you need to rejoice. You need to be really, really, really happy. He says, so they treated, because that's the same way they treated the prophets of old. They didn't accept them. They didn't love them. It wasn't one big, fat, it wasn't big, one big group hug. And it took me a long time to figure this stuff out. You know, we read, we read, the Gospels, we read the story of Jesus Christ and, you know, oh, what a wonderful guy. He just kisses babies and he loves people and he forgives people and he heals the sick and he raises the dead and he casts out devils and he died for our sins and he forgives everybody and we 
that is what we see. That is what I always saw. And it's easy to see that. It's hard to see the other side of Jesus Christ. And honestly, the church recoils at the other side of Jesus Christ. The church recoils at the idea that He is not an all-forgiving God. Yes, He died for the sins of the whole world. But the judgment day, even in His life, He says, bring these people that don't want me to rule over them and slaughter them, slay them in my presence. And any honest reading of the Gospels and the book of Acts and the epistles will tell you that Jesus Christ is very specific biological human enemies. And he said terrible things about those people. He said terrible things about those enemies. And I've shared that extensively here at bloodandfaith.com. And I have, and, and you're going to have you know, pastors out there that disagree with me. They say, oh, Fritz, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Well, the Jews agree with me. Jews know exactly what Jesus Christ said. They can read the Bible too. They can read John 8, 44. They can read 1 Thessalonians 2, verses 14 through 16. They can read Revelation chapter 3, verse 9. Revelation chapter 2, verse 9. Matthew 12, 34. Matthew chapter 20. They read all through it. And they're very clear. This is anti-Jew, anti-Judaism, anti-Semitic. Now, those are the people that you, you do not want them to support you. You don't. You want them to support you as much as they supported Jesus Christ. You want the group of people who call themselves Jews, but are not, but are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan, spiritual trannies, imposters, identity thieves. So is the state. Of, so is the modern state of Israel. Identity thieves, imposters, frauds, synagogue of Satan. You want them to hate your guts. You want them to treat you the same way they treated Jesus Christ. You do not want to go to the judgment day and be loved by those who murdered the king of kings. You don't. And I know this is standing uh, 150 years of evangelicalism on its head, or 50 years, I don't know. I'm not, not sure when this all came in. Martin Luther didn't have any of this nonsense. Martin Luther had no illusions about the role that these people who call themselves Jews play. No illusions whatsoever. He was very outspoken about it. So was John Chrysostom, one of the church fathers from, oh, I don't know, 17, 1800 years ago. What I'm saying is orthodox, classical, biblical, theologically sound Christianity. Oh, it's not Christian to hate your neighbor. Blessed are you if men hate you. I gotta read this again. Blessed are you when men hate you. Been hated lately? Any hate coming your way lately? And ostracize you. 
and insult you and scorn your name as evil for the sake of the Son of Man. Well, how do you do that? How about saying what Jesus Christ said? That's my problem. That's Fritz Bergman's problem. I say what Jesus Christ said. And I don't, I'm not going to apologize for it. I want to get right under his wing. I want to get tucked up right underneath him. I'm going to say exactly what Jesus Christ said without apology, without uh, 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 interpreting it away. Oh, Jesus didn't really say that. Oh, Jesus didn't really mean that. Oh, Jesus really didn't. This, this, this And you literally, Jesus Christ addressed it. He says, if you're ashamed of me, and my words, I'll be ashamed of you. This is a dividing line. And the church has failed in the 20th and 21st centuries, at least since the Second World War, because we've sided with some imposters who call themselves Jews, but they're not, and they're liars, and they're of Satan's synagogue. Revelation chapter 2, verse 9. Revelation chapter 3, verse 9. Did not the prophet Isaiah say, Hey, listen. Listen, dudes. I think it's Isaiah 65. My people are going to be called by a new name. They're going to be called by a new name. And y'all, your name's going to be left as a curse. Yeah, no, nobody wants to hear that. See if I can't pick it up in here. Isaiah 62, verse 2. The nations will see thy righteousness and all the kings thy glory. You'll be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will designate. Okay, that's Christian, Acts chapter 11. Acts cha- or excuse me, Isaiah chapter 65. You... will leave your name as a curse for my chosen ones. And the Lord God will slay you, but my servants will be called by another name. That refers to Acts chapter 11, verse 26. God's chosen people are called Christians. They left their name as a curse. I know, I know, this is hard. But again, do a word study, go through the book of Acts, figure out who the enemy is. Eighty times a certain people was used. Now, if you want to throw away the book of Acts, I don't know what to say. Be ashamed of Jesus Christ and His words. He is the Word of God. The book of Acts is the Word of God. Are you ashamed with the eighth chapter of the book of John? where It's, it's literally the red where Jesus, it's the red. You're going to throw that out because you're ashamed of what Jesus Christ said to that people? Are you going to throw out the second chapter of Revelation, the third chapter of because you're ashamed of the red of what Jesus Christ said? Judas Iscariot is underappreciated in the, in, in, the, in the Christian church. He's underappreciated. I don't mean we should like him. I just mean that's a story that has not been told. 
That's a story that is ignored. We treat him as a one-off. Why would you treat anything in the Bible as a one-off? The Bible is so short, there's not much in there. That which the Holy Spirit put into the Holy Scriptures, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is eternal. It's forever and ever and ever and ever. None of it's going to go away. Heaven and earth will go away, but the Word of God will never go away. Judas Iscariot is an absolutely key part of this entire story. So is Cain. Part of me feels bad for Cain and Judas Iscariot because they had so much. Cain was the firstborn. Adam was firstborn. He had it all, man. But he was of the evil one. Judas Iscariot was called and chosen of Jesus Christ. He was a preacher of the gospel. He was a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He literally healed people. He healed them of diseases. He cast out devils. He preached the good word of Jesus Christ. One of the things that Jesus Christ, I think, does very in particular is He he makes it difficult to serve Him. On purpose. I go all the way back. I go all the way back. Let's talk about Abraham. Hey, Abe, I got something for you. Take your son, your only son whom you love. Bring him up on Mount Moriah and kill him. You want to serve me, Abraham? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know that I could ever do that. God told Moses, Moses, you're gonna go back there, you're gonna go back to Egypt. Yeah, the place that they tried to murder you at, where they, they you got a you got a warrant out for not for your arrest, but put to death on sight. Go back there. Moses was like, Oh God, I can't even speak. And he did. Gideon, go burn down your father's idols so that they hate you. And yeah, they're gonna murder you, but you're gonna go do that anyway. Jesus. You're going to get tortured to death. Jesus prays. Imagine that. Jesus prays and his, his, his prayer is turned down. God does not answer his prayer. He says, God, <laughs> save me from this hour. Help me not to drink this cup, but Lord, not my will, that will be done. God said, okay, you're going to get my will. You're going to go to the cross. Jesus says, He says, eat my flesh, and drink my blood. And they're looking at him going, dude, you're out of your mind. You've lost your mind. I'm not going to eat your flesh and drink your blood. And they walked away by the hundreds. Turns to his disciples and says, hey, you can go too, man. You knock yourselves out. Go. Peter was honest. He said, look, we, we already got, we all, all done got kicked out of the synagogue. We lost our jobs. We quit our commercial fishing jobs. We gave up our boats. Our dads are mad at us because we left them in a lurch. We literally ain't got nowhere else to go. How's that for self-sacrifice and loyalty? We ain't got nowhere else to go. 
At some point, it became too much for Judas Iscariot. And I've written about this, and, and I've talked about this, and I, I had a fictional interview with Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot did not walk down to the Jews to stab Jesus Christ in the back. He was looking for a third way. He was looking for a third path. He wanted to be, get along with the people that had the power. He says, everything's gone a little too far. Things gone a little too fast. Trying to find some way to make an accommodation. All they want to know is who the dude is. All I promise is to show him who Jesus is. That's all I promise to do. He comes back. He says, Hail, Rabbi. He greets Jesus with a kiss. That's called treason. He sided with the people that call themselves Jews. Oh, but Jesus, don't give me, don't give me that stuff. The Father of Jesus Christ is God Almighty. Let's just start there. Let's stop there. The Father of Jesus Christ is God Almighty. People come out and they said, "Oh, Jesus, your brothers and your sisters and your mom here." And he says, "No, no, 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 no. They ain't my brothers and sisters and my mommy. My brothers and my sisters." Are these people right here listening to me? These are my brothers and sisters. This is my blood right here. Don't don't talk to me about his earthly kin. That's what Jesus said. Don't know. Don't even know. Don't even go there. Uh uh-uh. uh. Judas Iscariot made a decision. He said, you know what, I gotta have peace with the, the people here. I don't want to be called racist and sexist and homophobic and transphobic and queerphobic and intolerant and divisive and certainly not anti-Semitic because I'm going to prove how righteous I am in the sight of God by being against anti-Semitism in all its forms. So he pointed out to the Jews who Jesus Christ is. That's all he did. He didn't, he didn't pick up a spear and thrust it between his shoulder blades. He greeted him with a kiss. Hail, Rabbi. Publicly acknowledge him as a leader and a teacher. Greet him with a kiss. Didn't come up with a snarl and a knife. Luke chapter 3. How's my my thumbs doing? Luke 3, Luke 6. Blessed are you when men ostracize you. Blessed are you when men hate you and ostracize you and insult you and scorn your name as evil for the sake of the Son of Man. Be glad in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way their fathers used to treat the prophets. This is normal Christianity. Normal. It should be normal. It's not an exception. Oh, that's just for the super Christian. No, no, no. Normal. We live in a world where your, your grade school kids are being taught trannyism. And to be a homosexual. 
in this country lauds these identity thieves, lauds these imposters, and calls them, and the church is a false prophet who call these people God's chosen, and they're literally Satan's synagogue and the devil's children. And the false prophets contradict Jesus Christ. The Jews know this. They know this. They say it. And they mock you and laugh at you because you've betrayed Jesus Christ for 30 pieces of silver like that Christian pastor called Judas Iscariot. Woe to you when men call you righteous and good, a good Christian. Because that's how they talked about the false prophets. Now, if you're being scorned and ridiculed because you, you know, stole the money and you murdered some dude, okay, fine, that's one thing. You know, that's your own being a dum-dum. Or much worse. But if you're literally saying what Jesus Christ said, and if you have more fear of Jesus Christ than the Antichrist, then you're on the right track. Now you may say, well, I don't, you know, I don't know, I don't understand. Well, get in the Word, man. Get in the Word, figure it out. Get in the Word and figure it out. I don't got it all figured out. Fritz Berger does not have it all figured out. But I know what he said, and I'm going to stick with what he said. I'm not going to apologize for what he said. I'm going to be proud of what Jesus Christ said. Proud. If they want to hate me, bring it. And if the Almighty wants to straighten me out on the judgment day, that's fine. But I will not go to the judgment day and have him say, Dude, are you ashamed of my words? Are you ashamed of what I said? Are you ashamed about me calling out those who I called out and identified those that I identified as Satan's children as the as the synagogue? Are you ashamed of that? That ain't happening to Fritz Bergen. Not gonna happen to me. Make a mistake, but don't make that mistake. I got a lot of I got a lot of sins. I got a lot of problems. I ain't a perfect man. But you know what? I've sworn an oath. I will be loyal to Jesus Christ. And that means to his words and what he said. And if the little Antichrist running around running around, they don't like me, that's fine. That's it's called minimal Christianity. If those who hate Jesus Christ love you, oh, we need to love them into the kingdom of God. Is that what Jesus Christ did? Is Really, is that what Jesus Christ did? He says, bring these people that didn't want me to rule over them and slay them in my presence. That's what Jesus Christ said. Jesus Christ said, eat my flesh, drink my blood. Jesus says, he called a certain people the devil's children. Did he love them into the kingdom of God? No, he's just he'd tell them flat out, this is the situation. Oh, but that's Jesus. Jesus is so special. Really? Well, let's go to Stephen. Acts chapter 7. Go read it. He's looking at the the whole nation. He looks at the whole nation. And he says, you're guilty of the blood of the prophets and the blood of the righteous one. Stephen said that. Paul says that. 1 Thessalonians 2, 14 and 15. This is a line in the sand. God's not, we're not waiting for God. God's waiting for us. 
When we say, you know what, I'm going to be loyal to him even though it costs me. I'll tell you what, let me tell you something. God's going to have his way. And he's going to turn up the heat on the church and on the pastors until they can't stand it anymore. And pastors are finally going to say, okay, I mean, this is, I'm just talking about myself. I, I came to a point in my life, I said, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. And I dug in, I dug in, I got in the Word. I said, oh my God, here's what the Word says. I'm going to start saying what the Word says. My life's not worth it to live my life and not say what Jesus Christ said. And the pressure's going to get turned up on the church until they're literally, they can't do anything other than, than either confess Jesus Christ in His words or go the way of Judas Iscariot. Those are choices. Those are real choices for pastors. Judas Iscariot, a pastor, a preacher, made that choice. Peter made a different choice. The pressure will be turned up in America, in the church, until we get away from this, this pluralistic nonsense. Oh, we're all Americans and American fellows. No, 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 no. We're Christians. We're loyal to Jesus. Oh, that's so partisan. That's so divisive. That's so exclusive. That's so... Yeah. No apologies. Never apologize for that. And we're going to build Christian nations. Fritzberger and bloodandfaith.com.